My Govanin, and so lied to all my elf friends. Greetings, I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf. And this is What Would Arwen Do? On Tuesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Here, broadcasting from the University of California at Irvine, a most beautiful and elvish environment, I must say, that music that you're listening to is the soundtrack, Academy Award-winning soundtrack, from Howard Shore, The Fellowship of the Ring, from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and this is uh, The Council of Elrond. Welcome to the show, and welcome this fair Tuesday, January 21st, and I don't know how the weather is where you are. We've been having amazing weather here in the 70s and 80s, although we desperately need some water here in California. But the weather's been beautiful. Today's been a little bit of a gray day and um, kind of reminds me why we elves much prefer walking under starlight or under a nice full moon, which... The moon is waning now, but it's still giving out quite a bit of light to to wander by. But uh, when days are gray and the sun is shrouded and the air is not moving, I find it difficult. <laughs> I'd rather be sleeping during that time and walking about when the stars are shining. But it is what it is, and I'm very grateful that we are not um, covered in snow or dealing with biting winds, so we say a prayer for all of our friends in other parts of the country. And uh, greetings to any of my friends who may be listening here in Southern California or on the Internet, quite possibly through Torque, the one ring dot com. My, in my humble elf opinion, the best Middle Earth message board on the planet and an amazing community of friends and people who support each other. In case you are tuning in for the first time, you may be wondering what this show is all about. Well, if a Middle Earth elf lived today in Southern California, what might her life look like? So this is based somewhat on my little experiment-turned-adventure of my life as an elf now over 10 years going. So how would she, as a modern elf, celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? Things that elves are all very concerned about. If you've read about the elves in J.R.R. Tolkien's mythology, then you know that they were concerned with preserving the beauty of the earth, which would make sense if you're going to be around here for tens of thousands of years. So some people like to ask, what would Jesus do when things come up in life? And I think that's a very good question. But on this program, I like to ask, what would Arwen do? What would an elf do? So who was Arwen, you may be wondering. In J.R.R. Tolkien's Mythology of Middle-Earth, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves and lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing, lore, and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. I believe that Arwen embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light, 
a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth or in Elvish Arda. So I am here to remind you of who you are um, as beloved children of the universe. And I, I think part of the reason why that's a passion of my heart is because I often forget. <laughs> I forget all the time. And I'm very grateful when someone reminds me who I am and what I'm here for, to be a presence for love and to help others along their path as well. So this uh, show, or most of these shows, What Would Arwen Do?, do go up on podcast. Uh, Not all of them, especially sometimes if I am sharing information or material during the broadcast that is copyrighted. And uh, once I edit that out, there wouldn't be much left to the show. But I do have some shows up on the website, and our home site is www.kuci.org. You can find podcasts of this show and many of our public affairs shows on our homepage. Just go to Archives, scroll down to Podcasts, and look for the show of your desire. There's lots of good things there. Normally, the Blue and Gold Report will be coming up at 5 p.m., but they're on a little vacation still, so I will be playing some podcasts of other shows. I'm going to be playing first at 5 o'clock a nice podcast from one of the interviews that Mike Kaspar, who hosts Film School and is co-host with Nathan Callahan, um for Weekly Signals, but on film uh, school, great interviews with producers and directors and people in the uh, arts and in movie making. And so we'll hear one of those coming up at five. So I hope you'll stick around for that. And if you'd like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email at askanelf at yahoo.com. Ask an elf at yahoo.com. We love Yahoo. <laughs> and you can also find um, podcasts of What Would I Would Do on iTunes. So I had a little adventure today. I was very excited because, oh, I want to say first a big thank you to Athena Marie. Uh, who is on right before me, and if you haven't had a chance to catch her show, I hope you will catch it. It's called Couch Boat Connection, A Voyage Through Sound Waves, and this time she's only on for an hour this quarter, and I feel so blessed that she's on just before me sharing all kinds of amazing music with you, and she found a remix of one of the songs from the new Hobbit movie, The Desolation of Smog. And this was with Ed Sheeran, Icy Fire, a Kygo remix. Oh, my gosh. That was so amazing. We are going to hear it again (laughs) this hour sometime. So hang on for that. But uh, thank you, Athena, for that. That was amazing. And I hope that if you're listening, you'll tune in to Athena's show sometime because she has great things to share, as do so many of our DJs here. We just started a new training So good luck and uh, good wishes to all of those who are 
uh, studying to be a DJ or talk show host here at KUCI. You can keep an eye on our website, and we have a training that comes up every quarter, usually about two weeks into the college quarter. And generally in the summertime, our training is also open to community members. So you may want to keep an eye on that. Otherwise, it's always open to to UC Irvine uh, staff, faculty, and students. So today I want to talk with you about a couple of things that came up today. I have uh, hopefully some interviews coming up in February and March. My goodness, here it is already the 21st of January, the third week into January and the new year. And I was thinking this morning about just how sometimes life is just a struggle. As amazing as it is, it's also often a struggle. I don't know if it's that way at all for you, but I know it is for me and for some of my friends. I have friends who have wonderful families I don't have much family, um, no family really living close. My mom's gone. Um, I didn't really grow up much with my uh, siblings. And um, most of my aunts and uncles are gone. So sometimes I um, feel, you know, I listen to my friends and they're, you know, doing things and their kids are going off to school. But then other times I listen to my friends and their kids are coming home from school. Their kids are dealing with drugs. Their kids are dealing with illnesses and uh, their family members are dealing with illnesses. And so there's always just things that um, we have to deal with in life. And I think often it's very easy to forget who we are, and what we are as the beloved of God. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the second half of the show. But the first half of the show, I want to share an, uh, a TEDx uh, presentation with you. I love YouTube, and I love uh, TEDx. You can find some amazing uh, stories from amazing people there who have uh, made a difference in their own life and are making the, a difference in the lives of others. I've mentioned to you recently that I found a wonderful book called The Veganist called Veganist by Kathy Freston, who is also the author of the New York Times bestseller Quantum Wellness, A Practical and Spiritual Guide to Health and Happiness. And she has another book that I thought actually came out before Veganist, which came out in 2011, but it came out afterward. It's called The Lean. A Revolutionary and Simple 30-Day Plan for a Healthy, Lasting Weight Loss. And she is a vegan girl. She lives, she has a plant-based diet. And there's something wonderful to be said for a plant-based diet, not only for our own health, but also for the benefit of the animals and for the planet. And as an extension of that, I believe, for other people as well, especially as we adopt a plant-based diet and fewer, hopefully at some point, fewer and fewer commercial factory, uh, animal factory farms will be around, which not only cause great suffering for animals, but also create a lot of uh, problems and unpleasantness for the people who live in the areas by those factory farms. So in her book, Veganist, 
Kathy Freston. I love uh, the back of it where it says um, addition, uh, a definition of veganist is, number one, someone who looks closely at all the implications of their food choices and chooses to lean into a plant-based diet. And number two, progress, not perfection. <clears throat> and I love that. I love the idea that, uh, because for me, a lot of times I can't just change everything all at once, but I can make baby steps, micro movements in the direction in which I wish to go. And sometimes I eventually actually get there, and sometimes I just get closer, but at least I'm moving in the direction that I want to go. So she has, um, I'm going to read a little bit from the cover here. It says, in Veganist, Freston gives readers 10 game-changing promises that will result from this gentle switch in food choices, including effortless weight loss and maintenance, greater greatly lowered risk of and potentially even reversal of major diseases such as cancer, diabetes, and heart disease, increased life expectancy and quality of life, avoidance of food poisoning and viruses, both short-term and long-term money savings, help to feed the global poor, reduction of global warming, diminished animal suffering, and increased spiritual awareness and personal growth. Kathy Freston is a best-selling author with a focus on healthy living and conscious eating. Two of her previous books, uh, The One and Quantum Wellness, were instant New York Times bestsellers. So it goes on to say that she's uh, appeared on Oprah, Ellen, Dr. Oz, Good Morning America. <clears throat> so she is one of my mentors, you might say, that I look to, although, yes, I do look to the elves and the wisdom of the elves, Arwen Galadriel. Uh, Luthien and find a great store of wisdom there and inspiration. But I also have modern day um, women and and men as well, but um, a lot primarily women who are kind of uh, gurus and examples of what I hope to aspire to in the way I want to be here on the planet. So in uh, Kathy Freston's book. She has uh, 10 chapters, 10 promises. And before we hear her presentation, I'm going to read to you a little bit from Promise 6. And this is partly because my, what God has, I believe God has um, challenged me to do and to be, uh, at least for this year, is someone who will sing for the trees, speak for the animals, and dance for the earth. The primarily the way I primarily dance is through yoga and dancing about my house and with my friends. I'm working still on the singing part for the trees, but I do like to find songs where others are singing for the trees, and my hope is to speak for the animals. So in Promise 6, Kathy says, You will radically reduce your carbon footprint and do the single best thing you can do for the environment. She says, Did you know the business of raising animals for food with its continuous heavy waste stream of methane and nitrous oxide leading global warming gases <clears throat> is responsible for about 18% of global warming. So raising animals for food, 18% of global warming. Animal agriculture takes up an incredible 70 
0.70% of all agricultural land and a whopping 30% of the land surface of the planet. So 70% of all the land that can be used for crops is used for animals that we're going to eat. As a result, farmed animals are probably the biggest cause of slashing and burning of the world's forests. We won't even go into how much land is being cleared every single day to make more room for raising animals for food. The United States' most influential environmental group, Environmental Defense Fund, has calculated that every, if every American skipped one meal of chicken per week, one per week, and substituted vegetarian foods, the carbon dioxide savings would be the same as if the nation removed more than half a million cars from U.S. roads. One chicken meal a week, fellow Americans. Another point she makes, a person prevents more climate change pollution by going vegetarian than by switching to a hybrid car. So there... If we're driving a nice hybrid car, but still eating the animals, hmm. She says it takes on average more than 10 times as much fossil fuel to make one calorie of animal protein as it does to make one calorie of plant protein. 10 times more fossil fuel, oil, (laughs) carbon, all those things. And uh, I love this um, quote she has here from Paul Hawkins. It says, she says, A few years ago, the environmental journalist Paul Hawkins challenged students from the University of Portland with a thought experiment. Ralph Waldo Emerson once asked what we would do if the stars only came out once every thousand years. No one would sleep that night, of course. The world would create new religions overnight. We would be ecstatic delirious, made rapturous by the glory of God. Instead, the stars come out every night, and we watch television. This extraordinary time when we are globally aware of each other and the multiple dangers that threaten civilization has never happened, not in a thousand years, not in ten thousand years. Each of us is as complex and beautiful as all the stars in the universe. We have done great things, And we have gone way off course in terms of honoring creation. You are graduating to the most amazing, stupefying challenge ever ever bequested to any generation. The generations before you failed. That would be us. They didn't stay up all night. They got distracted and lost sight of the fact that Life is a miracle every moment of your existence. Nature beckons you to be on her side. You couldn't ask for a better boss. The most unrealistic person in the world is the cynic, not the dreamer. Hope only makes sense when it doesn't make sense to be hopeful. This is your century. Take it and run as if your life depends on it. And that again was a an address to the students from the University of Portland from environmental journalist Paul Hawken. And that is included in Kathy Freston's book, Veganist. So we're going to hear a little talk from Kathy today that's um, up on 
TEDx in YouTube. I hope you will enjoy this. I have found it very inspirational. And I love because she, it's not about making a giant leap. A lot of times it's just about making a few steps here and there and believing and seeing that what very often a few steps can, difference that that can make. And also about mindfulness, about thinking about if our food choices still make sense for the way we want to live, both individually and collectively. So here, I hope you will enjoy this. Here is uh, Kathy Freston at TEDx Fremont, KUCI in Irvine. Well, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself so that you don't think I popped out of the womb a health nut. Uh, certainly not. I grew up in Doraville, Georgia, which is a seriously down-home part of uh, Georgia outside of Atlanta. And I grew up eating chicken fried steak and barbecued ribs and burgers and pizza and all the stuff that everyone around me ate. And I loved every second of it. I didn't think twice about it. I wasn't stupid. I wasn't a bad person. I just ate what my mom put in front of me and what she told me what was, what was good for me. So I, I loved my life. Um, but my life, my childhood, my upbringing did not serve me well. They created, it created some bad habits, right? My habits were born from community and tradition. It's what was important to me, community and tradition. This is KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM. I am Tani Tenuville, and this is What Would Arwen Do? We heard a little lecture presentation from Kathy Freston on TEDx TV, and... Uh, She's the author of Veganist, Quantum Wellness, and The Lean. And she is one of my sheroes in life, um, helping us to understand the benefits of a plant-based diet. So I hope you'll check her out. Um, check out her books. And I love her philosophy that it's not about having to do everything right now. It's about making small steps. I know sometimes even, like with the whole recycling thing, I feel totally overwhelmed, both at my house and the place where I work. When I see how much trash we generate every day, it just blows my mind. And I think, how can this possibly go on? I mean, in our household, we have one, you know, pretty good-sized trash container that gets picked up every week, and we're only two people. And and I even try to, you know, and I take things to the recycling place and but it's just amazing. And where I work, we generate bags of trash throughout the day. And we're just one little business in our little shopping center, in one little shopping center in the midst of Irvine. And I think, where in the world does all this trash go? And how long can it go on that we are a culture, a society that generates so much trash that has to be put somewhere? So, but... I don't allow myself to get discouraged, and I try to do a little bit here and there, and try not, if I have to use those plastic bottles, make sure that they don't make their way into the ocean and that I recycle them, and uh, pick up trash, and I actually get jars from work that I use for um, storing things, so I don't even have saran wrap anymore. 
I found that I can put things in these little jars and I don't have to wrap them in plastic wrap. So little things, and I just try to tell myself to, as Glennon Doyle Milton says, carry on, warrior, and I just keep carrying on. So I mentioned earlier in the show that I wanted to remind you that I feel that part of what I feel that I'm here for is to remind you who you are and that you are beloved. I want to read a little excerpt from um, Honoré Nguyen's book, Life of the Beloved. He wrote this book for a friend. So it kind of has an interesting, um, when you read it, it is as though he's writing this to his friend Fred. So, but I want to read, um, he just, it's such a wonderful book about helping us to remember who we are as the beloved of God. And I'm going to start here in the chapter, Being the Beloved. He says, Our, let's see, Our many conversations led me to the inner conviction that the words, You are my beloved, revealed the most intimate truth about all human beings, whether they belong to any particular tradition or not. Fred, or friend, All I want to say to you is, quote, you are the beloved. And all I hope is that you can hear these words as spoken to you with all the tenderness and force that love can hold. My only desire is to make these words reverberate in every corner of your being. You are the beloved. The greatest gift my friendship can give to you is the gift of your belovedness. I can give that gift only insofar far as I have claimed it for myself. Isn't that what friendship is all about, giving to each other the gift of our belovedness? Yes, there is that voice, the voice that speaks from above and from within and that whispers softly or declares loudly, You are my beloved, on you my favor rests. It is certainly not easy to hear that voice in a world filled with voices that shout, You are no good, you are ugly, you are worthless, you are despicable. You are nobody, unless you can demonstrate the opposite. These negative voices are so loud and so persistent that it is easy to believe them. That's the great trap. It is the trap of self-rejection. Over the years, I've come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, popularity, or power, but self-rejection. Success Popularity and power can indeed present a great temptation, but their seductive quality comes often from the way they are part of the much larger temptation to self-rejection. When we have come to believe in the voices that call us worthless and unlovable, then success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as attractive solutions. The real trap, however, is self-rejection. I am constantly surprised at how quickly I give in to this temptation. As soon, as soon as someone accuses me or criticizes me, as soon as I am rejected, left alone or abandoned, I find myself thinking, well, that proves once again that I am a nobody. Instead of taking a critical look at the circumstances or trying to understand my own and others' limitations, I tend to blame myself, not just for what I did, but for who I am. My dark side says, I am no good. I deserve to be pushed aside, forgotten, rejected, and abandoned. 
He goes on to say, I hope you can somehow identify in yourself the temptation to self-rejection, whether it manifests itself in arrogance or in low self-esteem. Not seldom self-rejection is simply seen as the neurotic expression of an insecure person. But neurosis is often the psychic manifestation of a much deeper human darkness, the darkness of not feeling truly welcome in human existence. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being the beloved expresses the core truth of our existence. I am putting this so directly and so simply because, though the experience of being the beloved has never been completely absent from my life, I never claimed it as my core truth. I kept running around it in large or small circles, always looking for someone or something able to convince me of my belovedness. It was as if I kept refusing to hear the voice that speaks from the very depth of my being and says, You are my beloved. On you my favor rests. That voice has always been there, but it seems that I was much more eager to listen to the other louder voices saying, Prove that you are worth something. Do something relevant, spectacular, or powerful, and then you will earn the love you so desire. Meaning, meanwhile, the soft, gentle voice that speaks in the silence and solicitude, solitude of my heart remained unheard or at least unconvincing. That soft, gentle voice that calls me beloved has come to me in countless ways. My parents, friends, teachers, students, and the many strangers who crossed my paths have all sounded that voice in different tones. He goes on to say, I think you understand what I am talking about. Aren't you, like me, hoping that some person, thing, or event will come along to give you that final feeling of inner well-being you desire? Don't you often hope, may this book, idea, course, trip, job, country, or relationship fulfill my deepest desire? But as long as you are waiting for that mysterious moment, you will go on running helter-skelter, always anxious and restless, always lustful and angry, never fully satisfied. You know that this is the compulsiveness that keeps us going and busy, but at the same time makes us wonder whether we are getting anywhere in the long run. This is the way to spiritual exhaustion and burnout. This is the way to spiritual death. Well, he says, you and I don't have to kill ourselves. We are the beloved. We are intimately loved long before our parents, teachers, spouses, children, and friends loved or wounded us. That's the truth of our lives. That's the truth I want you to claim for yourself. That's the truth spoken by the voice that says, You are my beloved. So you might want to pick up this little book by Henri Nguyen, N-O-U-W-E-N. It's called Life of the Beloved, especially if you are struggling yourself with very often feeling loved and loving yourself as one made in the image of God and for his glory. So I have a wonderful little song that I want to play for you called that I discovered today as I was doing research for the show. It's called Beautiful Things by a group called Gungnor, and this was uh, recorded live in the Relevant Studios. And uh, if you're driving, don't close your, uh, your eyes. But if you're not, maybe you could sit back and let these, the lyrics of this song and the gentle melody 
melt your heart a little bit and suspend your disbelief that you are beloved and perhaps try to embrace the belief that you are. I am Tani Tanuvial. This has been KUCI 88.9 FM. What would Arwen do? I'll be back next week. Until then, Namaria. And Elin Salalumin Amentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. I hope you have a beautiful week. And remember that you are the beloved. Here is Gangnor, Beautiful Things. Mm-hmm.